Hi, this is Jesslyn Etchell, and I'm chatting with some of my favorite women in a series called Wildish Wise Women, Conversations with Everyday Goddesses. It's my passion to connect women and remind us that supporting one another is our greatest strength. These discussions are an extension of the in-person women's circles I lead in the Bay Area and will explore a variety of topics. Thanks for joining us. I am excited to introduce Stephanie Noble King. She's a formally trained therapist, yay therapists, a <laughs> priestess, energy worker, and a breast cancer survivor that spreads her passion. Yeah, woo to that too. <laughs> that spreads her passion in the world by writing and singing. Her unique perspective is created in part by extensive traveling, 34 countries, and spending her formative years living in eight different countries. She writes guided meditations, poetry, and is currently working on a memoir about growing up overseas, surviving emotional and physical dis-ease, and her path to find peace within. Well, I can't wait to, wait to read that. <laughs> yes, I know. I can't wait to finish writing it. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Well, let's just take a minute to um, close our eyes and take a couple deep breaths. Those that are listening can do it too. Just come into the space. And may each woman who needs the wisdom of this call find her way here. May we speak from the heart and create a wave of peace that radiates out on a global level. May each woman remember her sacred nature and feel the value of her presence in this world. Well, Steph is going to talk to us today about creating the sacred in everyday spaces. Um, but before we launch into your topic, Steph, what's your favorite thing about being a woman? <laughs> ah, it's such a hard question. Um, I think my favorite thing about being a woman would definitely be that sense of, of connection, um, whether it's connection in terms of how I can connect with my body, how I connect with my womb, how I connect with the cycles of the world and the moon. Um, yeah, I would say that's my favorite thing because there's so much about sort of how a woman is built in her cycles and the cycles of the moon that makes us inherently connected with the earth. And I think that's pretty neat. It is pretty neat. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you. Well, You're welcome. Let's see. Tell tell us a little bit first, because we want to talk about creating sacred space. So obviously, mm. we'll talk about that, what that is. But um, just just tell us a, a little bit about your finding your own path to spirituality, because I know you weren't necessarily born into it um, in your family unit, at least. Yes, that's correct. So I I grew up all over the place, and um, we didn't really have any kind of religion in our family. My dad was Buddhist, but he didn't practice much. Um, so I had to find my own way. And a lot of what that meant was trying to figure out what to me felt sacred, what to me felt special. And the one thing that really felt special for me was being outside and being with nature. And there was just this sense of awe and wonder at the natural world around me. Um, but it took me an awful long time to figure out what that meant because, you know, while the outside world felt so magical and felt so so special, it didn't seem like many people necessarily shared that feeling. Um, like I didn't feel as comfortable inside of a church. I always felt more comfortable 
you know, when the sun was shining and there was daisies everywhere. And that's where I felt my sense of sacredness. Um, so much later after many, many moves and not really finding that many people that felt the same way, um, I was doing quite a lot of research and realized that I was quite connected to some of the older um, pagan and shamanic um, traditions and found that those really resonated with me, that they really spoke to me. So it took some time, um, but after moving to California, um, I eventually, after about a year or so of studying with a, a group down there about energy and energy work, I was formally trained in a coven um, for about almost a year as well. Yeah, actually. And that gave me a whole lot of foundation and practice um, that I hadn't before had. And through them, I started finding my own way towards creating sacred space every day. Um, I have a drum that I use. I sing. I like to write. And I started realizing that what makes something magical really doesn't have to be all the fancy flouncy words out there or, you know, the perfect crystal necklace or whatnot. A lot of it was inside, inside of our hearts and how we find ourselves within our practice. Yeah. I think that's so huge because I think a lot of times people feel like it has to be super formal and it has to have a structure to it. And while that's good and can give us some parameters to our spirituality, it's nice to know that it can just be everyday feelings like you said the sun shining on your face I mean that can be a spiritual experience yes exactly absolutely well you kind of touched on it a little bit but what to you is sacred space what does that mean so for me sacred space is a place where someone can contemplate connect or even converse with their concept of the divine so they can do this through prayer meditation song dance ritual etc it's really a space that you've set aside for spiritual intention. So since I grew up with a variety of faith systems, the way I understand sacred space is that it can be created in almost any location and at any time. So there might be some places that are inherently sacred. sacred. This could be because of a religion or cultural group's affiliation with that space. And you might even feel that. You might sort of walk into an area and go, oh, this feels really nice. This feels really calm. Yeah. But those areas are not always more or less sacred than the ones you can create at home. Yeah, so essentially, I mean, your home should be a sacred space. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I think it's important to note that we don't just have to go to church to find the sacred or to go to these formal places. Although a lot of times a church is a place where you might feel something because so many people are, you know, collectively gathering for a, you know, the same reason. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. feel that in the air. Yes, exactly. And I think that that's very important to, to know as well, that a lot of times a gathering of people all set with the same intention can also create that energy. Oh, yeah, that's perfect. So it doesn't even have to be a formal thing that's being done. Just the act of everyone coming together and connecting can be. The Absolutely. Act. Yeah, that's great. Well, I love that word sacred. It's it's kind of one of my favorite <laughs> words. So I'm glad we're saying it a bunch today. <laughs> So, I mean, what's the benefit? So if someone out there is like, well, I don't know if I'm creating sacred space. I mean, why would they want to do it? And, and what would be the benefit um, for them in their lives? So what I've noticed is that about, and this I was writing in my thesis as well, is that one in five Americans now identify as spiritually non-religious. So that means a lot of us aren't as comfortable with sort of the traditional notion of sacred spaces, mm -hmm. but we're really wanting to find sacred in the everyday life. 
And since so many people are doing that in their own personal practices, I think there's a trend to want to have an experiential sort of connection with the divine. People want to know themselves, their purpose, and their place Mm -hmm. in the world. And so if you're creating your own sacred space, then you're doing that in order to sort of facilitate those experiences. So partially it's helping you mentally, physically, and soulfully prepare for whatever sacred exercise you have planned. Ooh, say that again, uh, mentally, physically, and soulfully? Oh, I like that. Soulfully prepare for whatever exercise you have planned. Okay, and um, wait, quickly, tell me what your thesis was on. I have a feeling it was something about <laughs> spirituality in, in the therapy world. I think it was, it was. Yes, it was using alternative spiritual practices in order to help with anxiety and all kinds of issues related to anxiety. Oh, that's perfect. I think that's where we're headed. I mean, I don't think there's any way to take it out. Of, of, of trying to create a better life for yourself. If you're feeling anxious, you have to feel connected to something else, I believe, to get out of yourself. Absolutely, yes. And I think that's exactly why I wanted to sort of study those things. Um, so one of the areas that I looked into was, of course, sacred space. <laughs> yeah, so, so essentially, if you're a therapist, you should be creating sacred space in your office. Absolutely. I think that's something that we can all do in whatever spaces that we're working in. So again, when I was saying that you're preparing yourself for something, Mm -hmm. for example, you might just want to prepare yourself mentally, physically, and soulfully for creating the best meal for your family so that you have a fantastic dinner planned. Um, Or it could be anything as simple as you're you're getting ready for a wonderful, luxurious bath and you want to be really prepared to make that a sacred moment in your life doesn't always have to be just for, you know, ritual intention and or other sort of bigger energy works. Yeah, well, I love the idea of making your kitchen a sacred space because I know in the last year or so I've been in the kitchen a lot more because I haven't been working as much. And it is a sacred act. I, I take a lot of pride in making something nutritious for myself and my husband and make that, you know, from the chopping to the simmering to the stirring to the, you know, plating all of it um, – I, I try to do it with love, which I think is a sacred act. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So well, let's get to the nitty gritty. Like how in the heck do you do this? How do you create <laughs> sacred space? Because I think we've established that it's good and needed and we all probably could uh, stand for a little more of it in our lives. Absolutely. So the way that you can do it, and my particular understanding, remember, comes from the pagan shamanic traditions. Yeah whereby you kind of create a boundary or a circle in any indoor or outdoor location, and you're imbuing sacredness using your own energy. So a created sacred space, as opposed to sort of a physical construction, is generally an area that is cleansed or prepared. Um, Some boundaries are set. Divinity of choice is invited in or acknowledged, or you might just have guides or helpful spirits. Mm -hmm. And then the process of ritual or meditation can begin. And then usually after they've completed this work, then you would sort of deconstruct the sacred space. Um, You can thank your divinity or whatnot, say the farewell to them, remove the boundaries, and sort of declare, okay, this space is no longer sacred. Okay. So not all of those things necessarily have to happen in order to have a sacred space. Because one of the things I really want to touch on is that one of the important things we like to forget is the power of intention. Mm -hmm. So what's sacred to you? You know, what does it mean to be in a sacred space? What might it look like or feel like or smell like? And it's really important to ask yourself these questions before starting because it's really vital to kind of align your own will with your own energy in order for the space to have significance to you. 
So if candles or incense like scream spirituality to you, then it's best to use those. But maybe you prefer fresh flowers or maybe you really need like some calming music around you and that kind of feels sacred. Then just use those things. Yeah. So not taking someone else's uh, ceremony, so to speak, and just wrote uh, doing it on your own time, even if you don't connect to it. So you have to find what you connect to. Absolutely. And I think that's really, really important. This is totally not me, but I just popped in my head because if something that's not relaxing, like what if, I don't know, rock and roll music or some metal music is really sacred to you, that could be all right too. Absolutely. Yeah. So I kind of want to like say that, you know, if, if what the purpose of your creation of sacred space is, is something to do with, you know, having a really fun time listening to your music and getting out of yourself, Mm -hmm. then in that sense, of course, like listening to heavy metal music might do that for you and that's okay. Then do that. Yeah. Well, I think that's good just to make sure people know they have permission to make whatever their version of sacred is. It doesn't. Exactly. Yeah. I think people love to adhere so much to like, you know, Oh, but I heard that you can only create sacred space, you know, using like, I don't know, it has to be sage from the mountains, but it's been rained on twice in a year or something like that. And you're thinking, well, that's, that's ridiculous. Um, Because if you don't feel, especially if you don't feel sage means it doesn't mean anything to you, don't use it. Right. Some people are allergic to it. They can't actually have sage around them. Mm -hmm. And so being told, well, the only way to create sacred space is to first sage, then, you know, that's going to stop you. And the whole point of this is that you want to just kind of move forward with your own spiritual practice in the ways that help you feel the most connected to the divine. Yeah, that's perfect. Well, I love that we can have permission to do it our own way because I'm really not a fan of when I'm told there's only one way I'm allowed to do something. I immediately want to rebel. I'm like, well, that can't be possible. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it has to be another way. <laughs> yeah. Well, another thing to remember is that a lot of the practices that we might take for granted, such as using sage, um, these all came from specific cultural traditions based on what they could find in their area. So, you know, we don't necessarily have to use any of these things because we have such an array or actually a plethora of types of things we can use nowadays that might be sacred to us from all kinds of traditions and cultures. We can draw on our own ancestry and use those things in our sacred space. Um, we, we might just really love the smell of cinnamon and want to smell that in our space. Yeah. That's great because then it encourages people to perhaps dive into their background if they don't already know where they come from. Exactly. Yeah. Um, research. Well, I just spent the weekend, it was on Friday actually, with um, Sally Kempton and Shiva Ray, both um, yoga and meditation teachers that are pretty well known. And it was about uh, about like invoking goddess energy. And they talked a lot about circles. They actually talked about our world being divided into circles and lines and they strongly identified the circle as the feminine aspect and of the mother really that it's all inclusive and it holds everybody and um I really liked that idea especially since we hold women's circles so there's obviously (laughs) some reason for that and some history behind that so just wondering if you could talk a little bit about the idea of a circle and an energy circle specifically Absolutely. So circles have been used for a very long time to create sacred space. And like you're mentioning, it kind of works across so many traditions. Um, So usually 
the first thing you want to do when you're casting this type of circle is you're going to sort of spiritually cleanse the space. Again, this can be with any of the herbs or incenses we were talking about. It might be sage, cedar, mugwort, sweetgrass, or I really love Palo Santo. Oh, yeah, that's nice. That's a really nice smelling one, yeah. Um, and Palo Santo also energizes spaces, so you might feel a bit more like, ooh, this is really nice mm-hmm. when you use it. Um, so after you've done that, uh, or while you're doing that, apologies, you're going to kind of walk clockwise, clockwise around the room or the area that you're using, and you're going to trace sort of the path that you're going to want your circle to take. All the while, sort of picture that incense crowding out the negativity, it, or essentially sort of saying, hey, you're going to leave now, you know, and you, so you can use sweeping motions with your with your arm, you might create little circles. Um, you might use a fan or a sage fan to kind of fan outwards. Mm-hmm. You can also choose to say words or a little rhyme. Personally, I just say, I cleanse this space in the name of positive power. I like that positive power. Yeah. And, and here you can of course insert, you know, if you have any particular, um, deity that you connect to, or if there's any kind of energy in particular you connect to, you can of course say that as well. Yeah. Um, So next, what you do after the cleansing is just, you know, sort of pause, take a few breaths, and imagine yourself gathering up your own innate energy. Then you're going to extend your arm and hand or fingertip, and you're going to imagine the color that your energy takes moving forward from your finger. Then generally sort of trace the circle or space by walking clockwise around the room, envisioning your energy forming the full circle. All right. So some people kind of see this as like um, a circle of, of flames or it might just be kind of a glowing light. And I, of course, ask you guys, you know, really sort of think about this while you're doing it so that you picture it. Because, again, this is going to be different for everybody. Not everyone is going to envision their energy in the same way. All right. Mm-hmm. And also what you might do in some traditions, you will also cast upwards and downwards in sort of a sweeping arc sort of like creating a giant circle and you're going to envision like a full bubble of energy around you. So that that way, you know, you're not only creating kind of like your basic little circle around you, but it's, you're fully kind of protected in that sense. Um, At that point you can call kind of whatever guardians, spirits or deities to help in your work, or you could ask them to simply guard your space until you're done. Then finally at the end, once you're finished with whatever your sort of ritual meditation or just, time to relax. Um, you'll end the circle. You can simply cut it where you began, generally sort of chop downwards. And then you'd go around with your hand again, collecting up the energy uh, by moving around anti-clockwise until you finish where you started. So you can also choose to say a few words in the end. And in my tradition, we use the words, may the circle be open, but unbroken, merry meet, merry part, and merry meet again. Yes, I know that. <laughs> I know that one. <laughs> I believe yeah. a few listeners will probably know that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> it sounds sounds easy enough. <laughs> it's definitely a little different than what I do, so I'm excited to hear um, your version. And I guess the biggest question that comes up for me <clears throat> is, so if we're creating sacred space in our everyday Is there a way that we don't have to construct and deconstruct a circle in this way each time? Because this sounds super valuable if you are really doing something like a meditation or maybe, um, like you said, having a bath or cooking or or something like that that is like has an end to it. 
<clears throat> what if you're wanting to just keep a sacred space that is ongoing within your house, be it like a little altar or um, just your bedroom, something like that. Is there a way absolutely. to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can give an example from my own life. For a while, I was having just really bad nightmares. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I met with a shaman and she was saying, you know, it sounds like your, your bedroom isn't really a sacred space to you yet. Um, have you thought about ways to make it feel more sacred or more protective for you? And I thought, okay, that's, that's a good point. So I went back and thought about it. And of course, you know, creating a circle like that every night would just be tedious and no one's going to do that. Um, And plus it would freak out my husband a little bit. So so what I did instead was I thought about what signified protection to me. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, well, a dream catcher. So I put up a beautiful dream catcher. And then I thought, well, what else creates sacredness and protectiveness to me? I thought, well, you know, asking for help from my particular deities, maybe lighting a candle, lighting a little bit of incense, um, whatever kind of works for you before bed and just saying a few words, you know, it might be, you know, please help me sleep well tonight, you know, with your protection, I hope to get through the night with no nightmares and wake peacefully in the morning. And by just doing that, in many ways, you're, you're creating a sacred space, um, especially if you even if you do just sort of quickly go around the room and say, okay, you know, out anything that's not going to help me today. Um, I'd like you to just leave me alone while I sleep so I can sleep peacefully. And so in that way, you've you've already kind of created a bit of a sacred space. It might not be as full blown as creating a sacred circle, but that's okay because you're just using it to go to bed. And did it work? Absolutely. Yes. Oh, oh sorry. That hooray. was the point. <laughs> well, I kind of figured it did, but I just wanted to ask. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, it worked. It actually worked really, really well. And I haven't had any nightmares since. So again, it's something that I think, you know, you can, and that's just one example because there's so many ways of creating kind of the everyday sacred, whether it's saying a few words that are sacred and holy to you, taking some deep breaths and maybe pushing your own kind of energy outward and saying, okay, I want the area that I'm in right now to just feel really comfortable, really sacred to me. Um, Again, lighting a candle, lighting a little bit of incense, and just holding yourself in that space and grounding. That can help a lot too. Yeah, I worked with a client once, and and she had a lot of questions about how to do certain things, how to cleanse and clear, and, and it seemed like she was very tied to wanting to know this exact formula. And I often would just say, you know, do what feels right to you because I could give you lots of tips. <laughs> but if you don't feel that that works for you, then it's not going to accomplish what you want it to. Absolutely. Yeah. And I really think that's something to really stress because, you know, I've along through the years and through all my searching, I've spoken with a lot of different energy workers and practitioners of all shapes, sizes, and faiths. And the information that they've given me um, you know, some of it I sit and I go, oh yeah, that'd be helpful. I could do that. And then some of it just doesn't work for me at all. Yeah. And I say, goodness, like, I, I don't want to do that every night or, you know, like, <laughs> like I don't want to cut my hair short or I don't want to do this. And, you know, there's all kinds of information people can give you. And if it doesn't work for you, if you're not going to feel energetically connected to it, then it's probably not going to work for you. Yeah. Like you said, intention is so important. So if you go through the motions, but the heart isn't there, then it's not going to follow through for you. 
Absolutely. I think that's a good lesson for life. There's a lot of things we could probably not do because we just don't feel connected. But a lot of times people do out of obligation. Oh, well, I think I'm supposed to do it this way. Or I was told that I need to do this. Right. (laughs) So it's a good reminder for everything, not just creating sacred space. Absolutely. Something that's coming to mind that I wonder if you wouldn't mind touching on is that you were going are, you know, through treatment for cancer. And I know that doctor's offices and hospitals can feel kind of dry and maybe not terribly nourishing. I guess it depends on where you're going, but was there anything (laughs) that you would do before your appointments to just feel a little more connected to yourself and to your caregivers? Yes, absolutely. Um, one of the things I did and actually remind me to get into this afterwards is, um, I have my own little altar Mm-hmm. That's set up for my healing, for my health, and for my own connection to deity. And so on it, I'll have, you know, fresh flowers. I might have a plant, um, my own sacred items. Mm-hmm. And I'll light a pink candle, which has been associated for a long time, not only with breast cancer, but with healing. Oh, okay. And so I would light that and do a little prayer. Just say, you know, help, help treat go well today Mm -hmm. or something along those lines yeah Um, because I am quite simple in my prayers I make them easy and then I would head off to the appointment and just as they had finished hooking me up to whatever the chemotherapy was for the day I would excuse myself to the restroom and drag along my little chemo cart Mm -hmm. and in the restroom um, I would imbue and say a little prayer or energy working over the bag of the chemotherapy um and sort of ask, of course, that the um, that the side effects remained low or non-existent, that the chemotherapy worked only to kill the cancer cells in my body, and that it left my healthy cells intact. And I would just sort of envision that and say that the whole time while doing that, um, while pushing that energy into the bag. And then once it felt done, it felt done. And that can just be a feeling of, okay, the bag's full, or, yeah. <laughs> or it might just be a feeling of, oh, that's good for now. Okay. Um, and then say my thanks and be on my way. Oh, that's beautiful. I, I love that for, for anyone that's going through anything and maybe not specifically chemo, but anytime going through a difficulty just to really take that time to set the intention that it will go well. Yes, exactly. And that's, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that that's a great way of showing an example of using, um, energy working, and creating a sacred space in an everyday moment where you might not have time to do a full on circle and put your own incense out. And, and that's one of the ways to do it. Absolutely. And in a place that maybe doesn't feel super sacred, that might even not feel super safe. Exactly. I mean, I, exactly. I don't know how most people, I think most people aren't too terribly happy in hospitals and uh, depends on the space that they're creating. I know that they're trying to change that in some areas, but it's generally not people's favorite place to be. No, no, it's definitely not my favorite place to be. But, you know, since I have to be there, I try and make it as, as comfortable of an experience as possible, both spiritually and, and everything else wise. Yeah, I'm sure that makes a huge impact just taking that time and saying those words, even if it's super quick. I mean, this could all happen in just the span of a few minutes, right? That's exactly what it is. So I never get some strange looks or funny looks afterwards leaving the bathroom. I haven't taken half an hour. Yeah, I'd say the whole thing takes about five minutes and I'm done. Yeah. And you said a really important piece. You said, then you say, thank you. Yes. Ending with thank you. I would say gratitude is really important. I've, I've had many 
presentations whereby I've been informed um, that it's important every time that you're doing a working to either begin or end with gratitude and, or thanksgiving of some sort. Yeah. Just sort of say, like, I, I understand that what I'm getting from this really, it's not just coming from me, it's coming from some outside divine source, whatever you picture that to be. And you do want to acknowledge that you don't have to get that help. <laughs> yeah. You know, they have to help you. Um, so you have to sort of think and go like, okay, yes, I'm saying thank you. I'm saying thank you to the universe and moving on with my work. And it also helps you to kind of connect within yourself, your own feelings of gratitude for whatever you're going through. I mean, I'm going through cancer. It sucks sometimes. Um, and so I still have to find moments where I go, actually, I, I am very grateful for my life. I'm so grateful for, you know, having small amounts of side effects instead of what could be out there. And I'm just really grateful to have that divine experience as well. Yeah, that's great. You, I think you wanted to circle back around um, yes. to the altars and kind of how you can create altars. Mm -hmm. So yeah. there's, there's a lot of way of creating altars. Um, but what I would suggest is you just start with a small table um, or a small area. So people don't even have room for a little table. They might just have like a shelf and that's okay too. You know, it's really a space for you. And this space can be filled with whatever feels sacred to you. Again, people have all kinds of things that they put on them. A lot of people will put candles. The candles might represent, um, again, deity or like the goddess or the god, you know, whatever your faith sort of feels, whatever feels right in your faith, you can put there. Um, you might also have just things that have been collected over the years that you look at and you have a really close, like, spiritual connection to. So it could be crystals or maybe it was just shells you've bought. Um, things that to you sort of say, wow, there's there's something about this. It feels wonderful when I hold it or when I see it, it brings me joy. Those are the kind of the feelings you want to have when you're looking at your altar. Um, you might, again, you can put up a picture of something that just is a, it screams sort of beautiful sacredness to you. Um, maybe it could be a picture of deity or maybe it can just be a picture of you. For example, um, if the altar has an intention behind it, and again, this is something you can do. You can say this altar is going to be my, you know, my beauty altar. Like I want to feel beautiful inside and out. So I'm going to put all these things on it that remind me of beautiful things. Mm -hmm. Then you can do that. So my healing altar is just a little space with some rose quartz, a pink candle, and a picture of me when I was very healthy. And I just light a little candle, and I'll sit there and sort of imagine myself being healthy. And I'll do that as often as I can. So you can do this with your own altars at home, and you can do it at almost any space, at almost any time. Yeah, so this is a simple way to just get started. If you don't have anything at all in, in your house or in your space, you can just start with a shelf or a small table and just find all the things, even if it's just one or two things that just really make you feel good. Absolutely. I, I would also that. really say that um, don't go looking for expensive pieces mm -hmm. um, because, again, that's not really all that important. I can share this from my own life. I When I first started 
an altar. It was really simple. It was whatever I could find. Um, I think it was on a shoebox or something <laughs> because it was the only space I had in my dorm room. Oh, and yeah. I thought, well, goodness, like, I don't even know. So I printed a little picture of like a bird and there was like a couple little tea light candles and I had a little uh, Buddha statue and that was it. That was my whole altar on this shoebox. And I think <laughs> I, might, I might have put like a colorful scarf over it just to sort of make it feel a little bit more sacred. Yeah. But that was all I had had room for. And you know what? I did some really amazing meditations at that tiny little shoebox altar. Yeah. Well, you put all of your love into it and your intention. Exactly. And then, you know, fast forward to when I moved um, to to Northern California, um, I had all of this awesome, expensive, well, not too expensive, but, you know, relatively expensive candle holders and incense holders and all of the things on my altar. And I remember being asked by someone, they were saying, well, you know, I've noticed you haven't been meditating that much. You have this beautiful altar. Why don't you meditate as much? And I had to answer. I said, you know, I haven't been feeling as drawn to the altar lately. It's, it's just got too much now. It's kind of cluttered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I had to go this, through this whole process of deconstructing the altar, looking at everything again and going, is it bringing me joy? Does it, connect with me? Do I feel like I'm in the presence of something meaningful and sacred and divine when I look at these things? And for a whole a whole sort of, I, I would say maybe about half the altar got put into a drawer and some of those things given away. And instead, I now have a much simpler, um, sort of much more basic altar, but I meditate there much more often. Yeah, that's great. So if you're someone out there who thinks you have to have all this fancy, expensive stuff, no, you do not. (laughs) Sounds like simple is even better, even um, for, you know, depending on what you connect to. But um, I think that's an important piece because um, not just with something like this, but with other things. Oh, I have to have it all perfect to get started or I have to have every single piece in place before I can really do something like this. Yeah, absolutely not. You do not need all of the pieces yeah. <laughs> to make these things work for you. It, it really should be an exploration of yourself when you create an altar. Oh, I like that. An exploration of yourself when you're creating your altar mm-hmm. and your sacred space. And and you could have more than one. Like you could have a little kitchen altar maybe or um, I feel like you could make little uh, space in, in all the places of your house if you wanted. Yes. Yeah. I actually, I have three altars right now in my, oh no, four. Oh. <laughs> I've got four. Oh, uh, nice. You know, one, one is outside and it's just a really basic little altar that I have up for my ancestors and the people who've come before. So whenever I want to remember them, I go outside and I stand there and I just think, oh, it's so nice. Thank you for existing. Yeah. Because <laughs> I wouldn't be here without you. I, I have another one directly associated with my deity and, and it's just a beautiful altar. Um, with lots of reds. And then I have my little healing altar by my bed Mm -hmm. to ensure that my health continues. And then I have my main bigger altar that's more for meditations and kind of bigger energy work. Yeah. I remember when I was working at the hospital, I had a little work altar underneath my computer. (laughs) (laughs) It was important for me to stay grounded at work. And I had a little a crystal and a quote and a few things that reminded me. I actually had a rock from outside because I was just felt like I was dying under those fluorescent lights. <laughs> so just trying to bring some of the outside in and I and that helped. 
I highly recommend a work altar. I highly recommend a work. It can be so simple, just like you're saying, but that can be very, very helpful. If you, if you have any issues with anxiety or if you're just having a stressful day at work, being able to have that quiet moment with yourself with things that remind you of being calm and being happy can make a world of difference. Yeah, I absolutely agree. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. I'm going to ask you a couple questions that are unrelated. Um, Is there anything that you wanted to wrap up with on this topic that we didn't get to? Um, hmm, I would just say that, again, remember how important it is for you to, to be able to connect with yourself in whatever the space is that you're creating. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't live in a very happy home, this will be a lot more difficult. Or if you're not in a space where you feel safe, this will also be more difficult. Um, so I would say again, like when you're choosing these spaces and where to create them to really kind of think about that because spaces that might have sort of leftover feelings of trauma or hurt, I would really work on first cleansing Um, again, with all of those incenses or whatnot, um, before getting started in that space. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a great reminder. I think that's important. And um, just maybe something that we take for granted, those of us that do feel safe in our homes. Yes. That may not be everybody's experience. Exactly. Yeah, because it can make it a lot harder for you to concentrate or to even feel good in that spot. Well, thank you. Um, I'd like to ask, what's one book that changed your life? Oh, that is such a tough one. Um, I, I have to go with one of the ones I read recently, um, The Untethered Soul by I've Michael Singer. Yes, mm-hmm. that, that made a big difference in my life because, again, it was very simplistic information and things I could really tap into. It wasn't very long. But I, I just felt like it immediately connected to my soul and it made me happy reading it. And every time I read a chapter, it felt like a meditation by itself. Oh, that's a, that's a good sign. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Who inspires you? I am inspired by a lot of people, um, both living and dead, to be honest. Um, yeah, because well, Frida Kahlo, yeah, Frida Kahlo was such an inspirational artist, um, I'm actually inspired by Pink. The, <laughs> the artist? Oh, she's awesome. Yeah, I love her. because she's so gung-ho and just kind of does what she wants. She does. Um, she lives her life out loud. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, I'm also, I would say, though, I'm generally inspired by, by women who aren't afraid to take risks, to stand up for what they believe in, and who speak their own. You know, they speak honestly about themselves and the place that we're all in. And they say the things that a lot of us are afraid to say. So that's quite a lot lot of women. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, fortunately for us, we have trailblazers like that that are standing up and doing what they want regardless of the outcome. Yes, exactly. Excellent. Well, I hadn't exactly planned this, but I kind of feel like we could end with um, that circle song. What do you think? Let's go for it. Yeah, hopefully uh, the Skype connection will be (laughs) on time so we're not totally out of sync. I think we could do it. How about you start? (laughs) All right. May the circle be open and but unbroken. (laughs) 
May the love of the goddess be ever in our hearts. Mary meet and Mary part and Mary meet again. Yay. <laughs> I'm not sure we were on time, but our heart was in it. <laughs> our heart was totally in it. So, <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Steph. I really appreciate you and all of your beautiful wisdom. Thank you so much for this interview. I'm very honored to be part of it. All right. Take care.